Hello and welcome to another edition of Lights, Camera, Sports, the podcast. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri. Happy to have you on board. As we have an exciting guest here today, we have Dan Rubin joining us. Dan Rubin writes for bceagles.com, covers Boston College, and is heavily involved with the athletic department. Dan, take, thanks for taking some time uh, to come on the Lights, Camera, Sports podcast. Hey, glad to be here. It's a, uh, football's right around the corner. It's a beautiful thing. No question about it, Dan. So just tell us about what you do now with BC Eagles and uh, your kind of your background, how you get all got involved. Yeah, well, it's a uh, it's kind of been a vagabond, uh, drifter-type lifestyle that uh, it feels like I've come home in a little bit uh, to, to, to roost at Boston College. Uh, and I started going to BC games when I was probably six years old, going to, going to football games back during the Glenn Foley era, and uh, wound up you know, getting involved with sports media straight in high school and, and out of high school. And it's been, uh, it's been quite the ride. You working down in the Cape Cod baseball league, doing broadcasting up to Bentley university hockey over an Atlantic hockey conference and back down to Brown university, working with my brother down there and, and my brother down the Cape and with the Cape league and staying involved. And I'd been covering Boston college sports for a little while. And then got a, uh, got a call that they were starting to put together an exciting opportunity with, with the athletic department to do some expansive coverage and some in-depth coverage. And that's kind of how I wound up uh, getting involved with it. And now writing for the website's been, uh, been this is year number one, and it's been a journey and, and a, a blessing and, and everything that, that I hoped it could have been somewhere. Six-year-old Dan Rubin is sitting around looking at 20, uh, a 25-year-old Dan Rubin, and they're looking at, at me in my 30s now saying, wow, he thought, you know, that seems like something we never thought we'd be able to do. So it's been really exciting covering the teams and, and being a part of it and, and just getting into the weeds with the different coaches and players and, and learning about them, learning about their sacrifice and what they do at practices and games and all that. It's been, uh, it's been great, and I'm, I'm hoping that we can do it much more and much more in-depth into the future. Okay, that's great now. And, then, you know, you talk about it too. Did you, you, you went to UMass Dartmouth, right? Yep, UMass Dartmouth, Division three school with neither a communications department nor – I majored in marketing. I, I didn't go into broadcasting or communications. I just kind of wound up doing it as a passion, and, and here I am. Yeah, I think that's good. That's important for Boston College, especially in the local community, to reach out to fans who aren't alums, too, because uh, BC really needs to tap into that Boston market with people like yourself. Yeah, it's and, and it's something that I know they're trying to do, and there's something that they, they've had some success in some ways, and in other ways there's you know it's a challenge when you're in a pro sports town. But it's also an opportunity, and it's a great opportunity and to reach out and grab fans like me. I mean, I grew up, to me, Boston College was always the, the place to go. I never, I never thought about going to Harvard games. I used to go to BU hockey games every now and then. But it was always Boston College football and Boston College basketball. And down in the Cape League, you'd see identify with the guys who went to Boston College for baseball. And it's, it's really a place that if, if the fans can turn out and if the people can get involved, it's a, uh, it does make it feel like it's a hometown thing. What team did you work on in the Cape League? Uh, the Yarmouth Dennis Red Sox. Okay. It's getting further in my rearview mirror. I'm more of a uh, Brewster Whitecaps fan. Oh, all right. <laughs> we, we, we won't hold that against you too badly. <laughs> all right, so let's, let's look ahead now. Uh, you know, summer, as you said, right around the corner. Before you know it, we'll have summer practice. First of all, what's your general take uh, with a new athletic director hire, Martin Jamon, uh, coming from Ohio State, uh, what, what's your take, and uh, how do you see this playing out? I think he's, I think he's just the, what the doctor ordered in some respects. He's going to be a great hire, and and I think you're sensing that with with the way some people are talking and 
the way that you know early interactions have been with him. I know this week he was out at practice with uh, the women's lacrosse team that's getting ready for the Final Four this this particular weekend over Memorial Day, and uh, you know he's been already the returns on him have been fabulous. I think he's got the right mentality to come in and do some great things at BC. He's he's worked a lot with scheduling. He knows the the lay of the land in college football. He, he's a former basketball player, so he gets a lot of balancing big-time college sports versus at the same time, you know, putting your team out there and putting it out there the right way. And I think that he, when he comes in, still going to give him some time to get his initiatives in. But I think, uh, you know, there's gonna there's a lot of excitement around him, and I think it's it's well earned and it's it's well respected and, and he's going to he's going to turn out to be a fantastic hire. Yeah, and and I think bringing in a guy from a, a place like Ohio State and like a Michigan State or a, a Big Ten type atmosphere like that, he knows what it was like there. And I think having the foresight or having the vision to know what it was like there, and and then as he learns the lay of the land at BC and as he learns, um, like I said, some of the challenges to become opportunities, I think. You'll see. You'll start to get the feel for, you know, how you can adapt some of what is at a place like Ohio State to a place like a Boston College. I don't think Boston College is ever going to turn into Ohio State. I don't think a lot of people want. I mean, you say, well, we want to be Ohio State on the field, but what makes Boston College great is that it is a smaller school and, and can do it, you know, a, a little bit differently. So I, I think that when he comes in and, and learns a lot of it what you know might be something that you say well he's got to learn all that stuff it'll be something that as he learns it it'll adapt a great mentality into it and one of his first priorities is going to be evaluating head coach steve adazio so what's your take with him now we're approaching what is it now is it fourth fourth year i I think it's i think this is year four i think this is year four uh last year was year four i'm sorry this is year five you know i think I think there's a lot that needs to be that that can be looked at from a, from a, both a fifty thousand foot view and, and a ten foot view, um, a micro and a macro. I think macro, when you look at the way the team is needed to go, he, he piecemealed the first two years to cobble together a couple of seven win seasons, a couple of good bowl games, not great bowl games, like you said, mid major bowl games. You're not going to a New Year's Six type game. Um, that third year really, I think, shocked a lot of people because of what he had done in the first two years. And that third year, you know, Boston College readily admits, and, and Steve Adazio readily admits, that it was not up to par and, and that it was not what you could have wanted. And you can search for youth and inexperience and, and all the, the different areas that may be factual, that are factual, but at the same time create an atmosphere that, you know, at the end of the day, fans want to win. And, and if you're in an you're in achievement-based industry, if you don't consistently win, you know, you're, you need to consistently win. And I think last year turned the corner back to where they want to be. I think in many ways they're not where they, they want to be at all. I think that they're striving to become more. I, I feel like they're building and, and doing a very good job of getting there. These things take time. Um, sometimes you don't want to put in the time. Sometimes you wish it would go a little faster. But it, it will get there. I, I think you saw, saw that a little bit last year. Winning a bowl game helps. I mean, two years ago, three years ago, they were losing those mid-major bowl games. So now they go to a bowl game like that and win it. Um, you got to hit the right formula at the right time. And a couple of those games, well, those one-possession type games, um, which, I mean, they had the four big-time losses. But I think you go back and you look at some of the games and you say, all right, if they can turn and, and pick off this play and this play and this play against a team like Syracuse, they're going to come out and win that game. And now you're looking at an eight-win season or potentially a nine-win season, and that's a totally different ballgame that we're talking about. Yeah, no question. Syracuse, Georgia Tech, 
Those two games yeah, last year. Those two games. You look at you, sh- you, you know that those games you should have won. I mean, especially Georgia Tech, first game of the year in Ireland. What was it? Fourth and nineteen, and they just needed to and, get a stop. And and I, I I remember I remember Steve Adazio at the end of that game, especially because he said we wanted the defense on the field because the defense was so good and so strong. And it's the first game of the year against a quarterback that doesn't throw the ball. Uh, in a team that doesn't throw the ball, and you're looking at fourth and 19, and they complete it. I think if we ran that play back, to be honest, like 20 times, they'd maybe complete that pass three, one one or three maybe. Just so happened that, you know, you play the odds and it happens to happen there. And So that's the thing. And then, so, and I agree with you too. Recruiting has picked up. The new, the, the construction of the new practice facility uh, is a good sign. Uh, I do like Adazio. I think he's taking it on the right track eventually. I think he will. Uh, the question remains, though, for me is uh, the conference is not going to back down. How does BC get to Florida State, Clemson level, where you go back to the Matt Ryan days, they are beating those teams. Now, obviously, Florida State and Clemson have taken off, but even Louisville now, too, really has taken off uh, under Petrino the second time. But uh, what can we do? Because let's be honest with ourselves. Eight wins, nine wins, that's what Tom O'Brien got every year. Uh, the 90s and 2000s, and eventually fans kind of got bored with that. Uh, so there's a certain ceiling there. Uh, and yeah. Looking back at it now, obviously it looks really good, but I remember being those years up in the heights, oh, man, another 8-4, and four, uh, you know, December 29th bowl game. Okay, well, let's do it. Let's win again, uh, longest bowl streak. But what can BC do to – That's and that's what I'm looking for with the program, to get to the Clemson level, the Florida State level, the Louisville level, where you're competing – uh, for New Year's Day bowl games, obviously it used to be called BCS bowl games, but the the, the Power Six games, and eventually a national championship. And for, I guess first an ACC conference championship. Didn't it, didn't it feel like back then you always seemed to lose to West Virginia at the worst possible time too? Like they they still see they still seem to haunt my dreams back in those days. Yeah. West Virginia, there was those games were oh those games were nightmares for me back then. Uh, but you know, hey, you look at the you look at the schedule now, and you look at the teams that are there. I think a lot can be made out of recruiting, and I think the recruiting has gotten better. I, I think that that's a step in the right direction. But you have to – and this is something that I've seen at different schools, places like Duke, when they compete in, and when they want to do it successfully for extended periods of time and they're able to do it, is you have to look at the whole picture and say, what can we do to build a team in the right team, the right personnel that can grind out these, these other teams? And – and I realize I use the term grind because when you're running the ball and you're using a power type offense versus throwing the ball 60 times a game, you're really trying to limit the other team's offense from being on the field and you're trying to control time of possession. And I think if you go back to that Florida State game from, from two years ago where they lost 14-7, the offense was, was more of on that year. And, and there's a lot that if they had had a serviceable offense in that season, uh, they might have won that game. Uh, but if you look at the game plan, the game plan was let's keep it tight into the fourth quarter and then beat those teams. And I think hanging with those teams has to be step one. And, and they did not do that last year. And I think next year you get, or this coming year, you get into a case where now you want to start competing with those teams and start forming a game plan and the personnel that can execute to a point where you are putting a scare into at least one or two of those squads. And then as you start to develop that and ingrain that system into more younger guys, and maybe it's not in this recruiting cycle, maybe this year's juniors aren't going to be the guys that are capable of doing it, they will start to get 
it, it hardwired into the program, and you go from no longer just competing, but now you're getting even more so the right players who understand what they're trying to do, and then you go out and you do it. And I think you got to get back to competing with those teams first, put a scare into a couple of them, then go out and maybe beat one of them. And it's going to be, a, a, you know, a couple years off before you're a conference champion or, or, you know, hopefully competing for a national championship. I know I'd love that. Um, but it's not going to happen overnight. And I think Steve Adazio has, has said that. It's taken a couple of years to, to not necessarily blow everything up, but, but, you know, get back to where he can start to get his guys in into the right system, formulate that system behind the scenes, work what they can do to beat those teams, and, and, and get moving. And, and you got to get on the train at some point. I'm hoping it's this year. I'm hoping it's the next year. But at the same time, I know that it is a process, and you got to kind of respect that process and, and, and embrace the process a little bit too if you're a player and a coach. Yeah, no question about it. Okay, let's look out quickly. Uh, quarterback, Boston College. Who, who do you think – what's your prediction? Who's the quarterback, starting quarterback, uh, come September? I honestly, I kind of want it to be there. Personally, want it to be Darius Wade because I've I've watched him and I've, I've seen him hope to be the next guy, and then injury robbed us of seeing what he could really do when he broke his ankle there against uh, against Florida State, or I think it was a broken ankle. He lost the entire season. He comes in the, last year, you know, starts to learn a new pro style offense. They start to develop the offense with him back on the bench, and they bring in Patrick Tolls to to kind of again piecemeal the year, get through the year. Tolls did what was asked of him, which was at times manage the game. You weren't, you were, you were getting it, you know, look for the first pass. And if it's not there, just get to the stick, move the chains, move the chains, move the chains. Darius Wade. I, I really want to see what he can do because I haven't seen it yet. At the same time, Anthony Brown is just such an athlete and he's, you know, he's putting a challenge into Wade because he's earning that time. It's not because he's, um, you know, Wade is losing it or Wade isn't capable of it. It's just that Anthony Brown is impressive as, as an athlete. So I would like to see what Wade can do just because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sentimental to older guys. I, I've always wanted to see guys step in and, and if they dedicate themselves and dedicate to a program, see what they can do. But, you know, it's, not a, it's an open competition because there are two guys who know how to execute that offense, not necessarily because both of them can't hold on to the job. And you mentioned earlier, BC, as we both know, likes to run the ball. How is the offensive line coming together here? What can we expect from them? I think that's vital as we enter this fall season. Oh, I think it's, I think 100%. That, that offensive line is the key to everything. And, and, and it, it usually is. It's all about blocking scheme. It's all about using their hands. It's all about, you know, kick out blocks in the right spot and, and using the right guy in the right scheme with the right play to open up the hole at the right moment. And I think the players have started to learn how to do that. We saw it at times last year, at times they didn't do it well, at times they did it very well. And, it, it, you know, a lot goes into opponent, defensive team and all that. But I, I think the offensive line is coming together nicely. I think they came together nicely at the end of last year. And there is something there to be excited about. I know everyone will, will say, well, you're just, you're just saying that. I'm like, I'm really not. Those guys who are on the line have dedicated themselves. They've gotten bigger. They've gotten physically more mature. They've gotten stronger. And they're smart, which means, which, which, you know, that's a huge thing in this offense is they're smart. They built the database and now it's going to be, I feel it might be their time to shine. And I really, in the spring game, when I was there, I really liked the play of the tight ends uh, for Boston BC. It seems like they're doing really well and that they could emerge uh, this year. Yeah. And Tommy Sweeney is, is developing. Especially him. Yeah. 
yeah, he, he, I mean, he's a pass catching tight end, the likes of which we haven't seen in, in years and years here. I mean, he's got, he's big, he's got hands, he's got speed. He, he knows how to run a pattern and he knows how to block, which you can keep him into the pattern in the right way. So if you see two or three tight ends on the field, you, you know, two of those guys are going to be capable of catching passes, which is, which is awesome. You know, that, that will be good, too, with the Dazi who likes to run. That, that tight end, that threat sets up well for the play action. Yeah, it does, especially if, uh, you know, you go a little bit more um, unorthodox in the offensive scheme. You can bring a guy in almost as an H-back or, or you know, uh, and it, that's if they do that. If they stay in a regular pro-style offense, then you can have that guy right on the line, break him out over the middle, 10, 15 yards downfield. I mean, you saw it at the end of the year, and you saw it definitely in out of Sweeney. Yeah, that, that's the way to win at Boston College, that offensive pro set. I, I really firmly believe that. Uh, going back to Hasselback, Matt Ryan, uh, that era, that era I, I think that's the way offensively you win at Boston College. Just your thoughts on that? Yeah, and, and you know, it's, it's not pretty at times. It's not, uh, it's not flashy. It's smash mouth. It's old school. It's not what it's not what all the cool kids are doing uh, down in the Big 12 or in the SEC or all or Big 10 or, or anywhere else. But it works if you can get it if you can get the right personnel and if you can execute. It works really well. Okay, and then last question on football. Let's just go on the defensive side. Obviously, defense fell back from two years ago, but still very very good defense last year. What can we expect going in uh, to 2017? Well, I think you can expect a lot of the same. I, I think that, that statistically, you know, two years in a row, they were top 10 offense, uh, top 10 defense, rather. Um, excuse me on that. And, and, you know, statistically, they were very strong. But you're right. They were susceptible to big plays last year at times against the wrong opponent. I think that the secondary is going to be key this year. You know what you're getting out of the front seven. You know that Harold Landry is going to disrupt backfields. And you know that he's, you know, such a force. And you know that Ty Schwab is, is going to have an unrelenting motor. Um, at the linebacker position, and you know that the front seven is going to be stout. That secondary, I think, is going to take a big step this year. I think they're capable of it physically. Again, more mature, um, athletic. They can stay with receivers in the ACC. And if you, all you got to do is stay with them. Just don't let them behind you. Break up the other play and let the uh, – if those receivers are covered, the front seven will do what the front seven does. And then how do you feel like this practice facility coming along? How will this help the program and uh, improve recruiting? You know, I, I honestly don't know too much about it, but I, I'll say this. The, anytime you can get a facilities enhancement or a facilities improvement, you're going to be more competitive as a program. It doesn't matter what you're, what you're getting in that regard. It, it, all that matters is that it's better than what you had before. Now, you know, details-wise, I, I realize I'm kind of glossing over everything. Because again, I don't know too much about it. Um, but I will say that anytime you can get enhancement, anytime an institution is willing to invest in its programs, that's a good thing. And, you know, is it going to be perfect? Is it going to be this? Is it going to be that? I don't know. But is it, is it an enhancement? It is. And there's never anything bad with an enhancement. And then when you look at the BC's football, too, it's, it's a, the schedule. It's exciting. Uh, early on, you got, you know, Northern Illinois, solid mid-major program. Then Wake Forest, Notre Dame, and Clemson. So we'll know about this BC football team early on this year. I'll tell you what, if they beat Notre Dame on my birthday this year, my, uh, I'm getting out of a wedding that night because my wife told me I didn't have to go. That's my birthday present, so I hope they win that game. Wow, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those, those fall weddings are always difficult on Saturdays. Yeah, spring, spring weddings. I got married in November. It was not the best idea I've ever had. <laughs> I didn't t- no one tell my wife that. 
All right, just but quickly, uh, last couple minutes here. Uh, just let's switch gears to basketball. Just give us really your macro outlook of Jim Christian, the program, and where it's heading. No, and and you know what, you you they've lost a lot more than they've won the last two years, and I don't think anybody, including Jim Christian, is going to admit or deny that. I I, I mean he'll admit it as better as everybody. But this is all part of again part of a process that is really hard at times to take. You you. You want to see a one-year turnaround or a two-year turnaround. Um, the steps, you know, they at some point you realize that a team was about to hit its ceiling, and, and that injury to Bowman, you know, if it had come earlier in the year, I think a lot more people might have been more comfortable. You never want to see a guy get hurt, but people might have been more comfortable with it than, than they are when it happens in the ACC tournament. Um, by all signs and all accounts, he'll return to normal next year, um, but it's still a scary thing, and it, and it came at a time when – you know, you're just kind of looking at that, looking at it and said, well, that's not what we wanted to have happen at this point. But it seems like recruiting has picked up a couple pick good kids. Um, how do you think that's going to transcribe now is into the fall? I think there's going to be, I think it's going to be very interesting and I think it's going to be very intriguing. Yes, you do have to deal with the loss of AJ Turner. But I think when you look at the, at the program and you look at the team, it's gotten younger, but those guys who are coming in are exciting. And you get guys like, you know, Nick Popovich and guys like Kyra Bowman and Jordan Chapman, even though he's a little older, still has a couple of years of eligibility. There's a core there that if you can recruit the right presence, you're going to have a really formidable starting five. It, you know, it stinks that, you, that you're not going to have a guy like Turner, who by all accounts is a great kid. And, and you know, he, le- he leaves with whatever the reason he leaves, he leaves. Um, but it's, it's still exciting and it's still, you know, something that you can look at and say, there's a core there and maybe it's hard to see when you – nine and 23, but it will, you know, I'm eternally optimistic. I know people might look at me and say, well, you have to be told the company line, all that stuff, but that's really, it's really how I feel about it. Well, that's good. And we, we definitely hope the, the basketball program keeps it going, you know, and gets going uh, this coming season. We'll have, I have to, we're out of time now, Dan, but we'll have to get you back in the fall as well to preview basketball uh, more in depthly. Yeah, sounds good. Well, Hey, Dan Rubin, uh, thanks so much. We'll be, where can we find your work? Mostly bceagles.com. Yep, you head to bceagles.com under the team's uh, header, which is a newly redesigned webpage. Just click on Eagles Unlimited. It'll bring you to the page. You can see all the stuff that we write there. You can also follow on Twitter at bcdanrubin. All right. Hey, Dan, well, thanks so much for the time and joining us here on the Lights, Camera, Sports Podcast. Thanks a lot, Mike. Well, once again, thanks so much to Dan Ruman for joining us here on the Lights, Camera, Sports Podcast. It's really good to catch up. Before we know it, it's going to be the fall football season. And, uh, you know, we always wish the BC Eagles well. I, I agree with them. I think of at least both basketball and football are trending in the right way. Uh, it might not be giant steps, but with the approved facilities, the recruiting, uh, hopefully the future is bright under new athletic director Martin Drummond at uh, Boston College. So we'll be back. Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Lights, Camera, Sports Podcast. If you'd like to advertise, sponsor the program, just email Lights, Camera, Sports, Ads, ADS, Lights, Camera, Sports, Ads, at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week. This is Mike Galtieri signing off.